thank you for uh, welcoming me, my wife, um, to share here today. My wife, who's on the front row, works for the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, if you guys don't know about the Voice of the Martyrs, they serve the persecuted church uh, all around the world in over 60 nations where um, people are, it's either illegal to share the faith or there's restrictions or people are hostile to them. Um, so she is one of the most beautiful voices um, for the Voice of the Martyrs. She's also pregnant. Uh, we got a little baby on the way. Come on, Jesus. Um, little Everett Lucas going to be coming in the world in August. Um, so we are so excited about that. Um, as Pastor Jade said, the last um, eight years or so, I was serving at ORU and uh, directing the missions and outreach programs. Um, a little bit, uh, about a year or so ago, my wife and I, we felt a stirring that the Lord was going to transition us, move us somewhere. We um, were considering a lot of different options. Um, we knew that we wanted to be more on the front lines uh, of missions. So we were thinking about maybe even moving to the Middle East, uh, working with some of our friends there that are serving uh, refugee populations. So everything was on the table. We were saying, Lord, send us. Little did we know that he would send us to the nation of Texas um, as missionaries. So we are now in Texas. Uh, been there since September. Uh, I'm serving as the spiritual formation officer for a group of companies, businesses. Um, but my role is to activate people for missions in the marketplace, pastor them, train them, disciple them. Uh, we do missions projects all around the world and uh, allow our employees to be a part of it. So it's fun, it's exciting, but to be honest, I think we would have been more comfortable in the Middle East um, than where we are right now. But hey, we didn't sign up for comfortable. We signed up to say yes to Jesus and his call and his assignment. So wherever he sends us, we'll, we'll go. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when Pastor Jade asked me to um, share with you guys um, as a part of this series, Faithful Presence, I've been listening, joining with you guys, and I love it. It's been firing me up and um, in such agreement with what's happening here in this church. Um, but this topic is humbling. It's humbling to think about to speak on uh, faithful presence to the least of these. And um, as much as, as my wife and I have been involved in, in missions projects and trips and outreaches, I mean, uh, we, we've been to the Middle East to work with Syrian refugees and in Iraq and Jordan and Lebanon and we have a refugee ministry that, that we serve Burmese refugees, actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma, every week. I've probably been to over 30 nations, some of the poorest places in the world, and refugee camps, and villages, and prisons, and huts, and um, difficult places. But to be honest, guys, I stand here before you saying I, I don't feel qualified um, to challenge and exhort you guys of how uh, we can live out the words of Matthew 25. I'm, I'm not the best, I'm not the expert in reading this passage. I, I'm continually convicted and humbled, but I'm challenged and inspired. I fall more in love with Jesus every time I read this passage and I say, and that is the God that I wanna serve, that I fell in love with, but that I also wanna emulate. And so as we read this passage today, I hope and pray that it convicts and inspires you as much as it continues to, to breathe and, and live inside of me as well. So let's, um, let's look at this passage in Matthew 25. I think it'll be up on the screen as I go into it. So Jesus uh, speaking, he says this, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. <clears throat> then the king will say 
to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When, would we, when did we visit you in prison? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. But then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And they go on to say, Lord, you know, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick in prison, prison and we didn't minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. Father, as we read this passage, God, we can't help to, um, but to be convicted ourselves here in this room as, God, we, we read your heart, God, for the least of these, God, for those that are without food or thirsty, or God, those that are alone, those that are isolated, those that are abandoned, broken, abused. God, we're convicted because we know that to all of us, God, that, uh, God, we, we want to emulate your love more to those, God, and that there's times where we don't. But God, we also say, Lord, that we love your heart, God, not just for the least of these in far off places, God, not just for those, God, broken and bros, God, bruised in this city, but God, we love you for your heart for us. God, for you saw us, God, at our worst, and you loved us still, God. You went to the cross, God, when we were sinners, when we didn't deserve your love. So today, Jesus, we just say, be glorified in this place. God, speak to us. Give us your heart. God, we pray, God, would you shine your light, God, in, in dark places in our heart. God, expose places where we don't love like you, where we don't serve like you. God, where we don't, God, know how to be like you. But God, I pray today, would you release and impart, God, your heart over Antioch Church, God, in the call on this house, Lord God, to be you to the least of these, to God, bring your presence, God, to see your kingdom come, your righteousness and your justice. So God, we just say, have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage that we, re we read, it's, it's inspiring and yet convicting and it makes us to say, hey, there's areas of our lives where, man, we want to love more like Jesus, serve like him. But there's so much the Bible talks about the poor, and, and we don't have time today to, to go into all the passages. But I want to share a little bit about um, some of my journey and, and trying to love the least of these. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there's many times that I can have a heart for others, and man, I feel burdened, and, and there's sometimes I might act on that, but I know that there's so many times that, man, I can just get so focused on my own needs, my own family, my prayers are, are, are more about me, and man, I want to see God's kingdom come, but if I'm honest, there's many times that maybe I've walked by people and, and neglected people and missed so many opportunities of the kingdom that was right around me because I was just so focused myself, or, or there's times where I'm, man, I, I've got big ambitions to do stuff for the Lord, but man, I'm tired, or, or I'm weak, or 
can be selfish at times. And sometimes, you know, I think about the least of these in far off lands that, man, I feel called to go and reach, but then I can neglect the people right around me, people in my own family, people that I work with, people in my close circle that I miss opportunities to be the presence of Christ with. And Sometimes it's even missing it when I'm trying to minister to others. And I remember when I first got saved, I, I was lost, didn't know Jesus. Father committed suicide when I was younger, addicted to drugs, alcohol. But man, God rescued me, redeemed me, and I was ready to tell the world about Jesus. And I remember going out on the streets of downtown Nashville, Tennessee, and I was ministering to the homeless. And to be honest, it, it was more about a ministry project. I, I wanted to you know, go tell everyone and, and pray for them, see them healed, saved, delivered. But I'll never forget when the Lord just kind of sat me down and, and it helped me, helped me in my young journey of what does it look like to be with the least of these. And, I, and I'll never forget, I was sitting across from a man and I, I was kept waiting to try to get a word in, to share the gospel and to, to pray for him and, you know, try to give him what he needed. And I, I'll never forget, just tears started flooding my eyes when I just heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Bobby, look in this man's eyes. And he says, he was created in the same image of me that you were. And I'll never forget when I just started to look at this man as, man, there is no difference between me and him. He's not a ministry project. He is a son of the living God, just like I am. And I'll never forget when all I did for the next hour was just sit next to this man and listen to him, listen to his story. We ate food and, and we were just with each other. There was no ministry to be done by me other than to just listen to him and see him with the eyes of God as God sees him. I don't always do this well. In fact, many times I know that I can give into my flesh and feel overwhelmed and don't always live this out. But if we're honest, all of us, we can do this at times. You know, if we're honest that we can all struggle with having good intentions of man, you know, I, I want to reach others. I, I want to be with others. I want to serve more, give more, pray more. Man, God's given me a heart to do this. But if we're really honest, we don't always do what we think in our heart that we are. You know, the Bible even says it this way in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Matthew 26, 41, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think what Jesus was talking to his disciples, it wasn't just about the temptations that they would fall into of power and greed and lust and sins of commission that they would do, but it was also the sins of omission, the things that they would miss out on, the ways that they would miss out on the people that, know, that Jesus knew that they were called to reach and to bring his kingdom to because he knew that at times they would try to make it about themselves and what they wanted, what they desired, rather than about Jesus and his kingdom. And I think if we're honest, all of us in this place, we can fall prey to that at times that can be us. We can miss the kingdom and the king around us. If we just went by what our heart and our flesh felt like, I don't think that we would see true justice and righteousness here on this earth because if we're honest, sometimes we're selfish and we want to do what feels good or where we're comfortable. But none of us deserved God's riches. We didn't deserve what he offered us. He gave his everything. He sent his one and only son and he sent him not just to die on the cross, but he sent him to be with us, to walk with us. I think sometimes why we don't always 
get it right and why we struggle this, I think it's sometimes it's because of the way that we define what the least of these, who they are and what poverty looks like. And if you guys have ever read the book, When Helping Hurts, um, powerful book, if you haven't, we'd highly encourage you to, but the authors, they define poverty in this way. Poverty is not just a lack of material things. It's rooted in broken relationships with God, with self, with others, and the rest of creation. If you think about it, poverty, it breaks down to this. It's not about a lack of material things. People don't need things. Man, they need Jesus. We know that. They need to be restored in a relationship with God, but with themselves. They need to know their worth, their value, but with others. We see that in families and broken homes, but also with the rest of creation. We were created to glorify God, to reflect his image, to love one another, and steward the rest of creation. But the fall and sin marred what God originally created. As a result, none of us are experienced the fullness of what God intended. So the enemy has robbed from us. We know this. He came to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to bring life and life more abundant. But the enemy doesn't just rob from our bank accounts. He doesn't just make our car break down. It's not just material things. The thing that the enemy robs from this world, from us, from people that we love, it's relationships. It's relationship with people not knowing that there's a father in heaven who loves them, that calls them to himself, that wants to be with them. And we also see that in families. We see that in churches. We see how the enemy tries to divide. He's not trying to divide us from things, from chairs, from pulpits, from from bank accounts, from jobs. He's trying to divide us from people. He's trying to bring division. And man, that is at the root of the least of these, that poverty is a brokenness in relationship. And because of that, sometimes in the way that we try to minister or reach out to the poor of the least of these, we get it wrong. We think it's about things or we think it's about what we think that they need But at the heart of it, at the deepest place, what people really need, man, they need restoration of relationship, the reconciliation. We're we're called to minister to reconcile people back to a rightful relationship with their creator, but also to the family of God with us, other sons and daughters. Poverty is the result of relationships that do not work, that are not just, that are not for life, that are not harmonious or enjoyable. Poverty is the absence of shalom in all its meaning. Peace, peace in relationship with God, with others, with self. Think about it. Anyone that's been orphaned, abused, neglected, trafficked, homeless. You think about people that are in need and it's at the, at the heart of it. What do they really need is relationship. They want to belong. They want to be a part. They want to be accepted. They don't know that they're loved. They don't know that, hey, I love you, I'm with you, come with me. They don't have that. The heart of everyone that you wanna reach, that is at the core, it's a brokenness in relationship. So we know that God says a lot about this in his word and we don't have time to go into all the ways of what he says, but I love the book that you guys are are reading through. And uh, man, one of the things that I love that the author says is what the world longs for is kinship. They long for this kinship that we want to we want to belong together we want our tribe we want we want to be with we want to be a part of a team a group and John 15 15 this is what Jesus says to us he says I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I made known to you Jesus gathers people to be with him and he calls us his friends 
In the next verse, though, I love this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. If you've ever been left out of being picked on a team, you know, and you feel like, ah, no one wants me. Jesus says, hey, 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 I picked you first. Hey, you don't have to feel left out. I chose you. You didn't choose me. And I chose you to bear fruit and fruit that will last and remain in my kingdom, to bring others into the kingdom. We've been chosen. He called us his. He wants us on his team. Matthew 12, 48, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You're you're a part of my family. Jesus calls us his family. God created the family unit as one of the most important, significant, intimate pictures of the relationship that he desires us to have. So it's no wonder that the enemy tries to divide families. Humanity, they want to believe and belong, to be accepted, valued, cared for, loved. They want to be noticed. There's this longing for belonging that we see in all of humanity. But this is why the church is so powerful. This is why God created the church as his plan of how are we going to make disciples? How are we going to bring people in? How are they going to know that they're accepted, that they belong, that they don't have to do life alone? The enemy, he, he will want nothing else than to lie to us and say that you're alone. No one else knows how you're feeling, that you don't belong. But this is why the church of Jesus Christ is so powerful, because we can tell the world that you have a place, you do belong, you are loved just as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. You're accepted. Come be a part of our team. This is the church. This is who we are. We're not about our own little cliques and our own little parties. We don't need to just gather people that are like us, talk like us, believe everything that we believe or sing like we sing or pray like we pray. That's not what this church that Jesus died for is about. He shed his blood so that we could bring others in to say, come, you belong, you have a place. Know the Father's love because we didn't, we didn't deserve it. None of us deserved his grace, but he called us his own and he chose us first. Let us be that body. Let us be the image of Jesus that says you all belong, come. In Christ's kingdom, there's no project or ministry. He doesn't look at people as the lost that, that he needs to work on. He looks at them as, as his created one, his son, his daughter, his friend that doesn't know that they belong and are accepted. Let us treat people out there in the world, not as projects. Let us not judge them just like Jesus. He looked at the tax collector, the prostitute, not as a ministry project, but as a friend to have dinner with, as someone to walk with, as someone to love. Mother Teresa said this, and I love it. She says, if we spend all our time judging others, we'll have no time to love them. Man, let us be a church that doesn't judge others that are different than us, but man, we love them into the family of God. I love this, what the author says. He says that poverty is not knowing, about not knowing what to do and having no one to do it with. And he says this, you know, poverty, it is about broken relationships, but it's also about imagination and community. You know, people don't know, they don't have a plan They don't know what God's plans for them are, his purpose, their calling, and they don't have anyone to walk with them. Man, let us be a church that walks with people, holds their hand and dreams with them. God dreams the dreams and the purpose that God sees for them. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says this, no eye has seen, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Man, let us dream those God dreams. What could be if we could be a people like that? I'm gonna move on quickly here so we can, um, we can get going. So really quick, why do I feel like that we as a church, 
but maybe even importantly, if you would allow me to, why do you maybe at times struggle with not being a faithful presence with the least of these? And there's a few quick things that I, I, I wanna challenge us that I know that I've struggled with and I've also seen many others in the body of Christ struggle with. Number one, I think that maybe your burden for the least of these has turned to weariness, to numbness or apathy. See, sometimes we can become so generally burdened by all the needs around us, the lost, the hurting, the orphan, the homeless, those that are in addictions. And, and some of you guys, you felt those burdens and you tried to carry all these burdens, but it got to a place where you were just generally burdened for everything. You didn't even know what you were called on assignment, how to serve. And it's not that we're not supposed to have Christ's compassion for the least of these and all those situations. But if you have a burden for everything, chances are you won't make a difference in anything. Man, we have to, as a people of God, know our assignment, know what God's called us to. We also have to know that Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. As we follow in the way of our master, we don't have to wear all these burdens. We don't have to, you know, die to compassion fatigue. And, you know, what happens is if you're burdened for everything, you're trying to fix everything, at some point you're going to say, I'm not making any difference in anything. And then you might give up and become numb to needs and hurts around you. Jesus, the son of God, as, as he was fully God, as he walked on this earth, he was also fully human. And there was times when he walked from town to village and, and the crowds would overwhelm him and be all around him and they were pulling on him. And gosh, yes, he spent time and he ate with them and he prayed with them. And, but there was also times where Jesus pulled away. He pulled away to be with the father. He pulled away to go to the next towner because he knew his assignment. Jesus wasn't led by the need, the son of God. He was led by his assignment. The measure of success is not sacrifice, it's obedience to God. Man, be obedient to God's assignment on your life. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, as we just said, when Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you here in this room, what you need to do is not go on another mission trip, not try to serve 80 people. Some of you guys just need to come to the feet of Jesus and just be just receive his rest and say, Jesus, tell me, show me what it is to take on your yoke, your burden, and let me hear from you. Let me be obedient to you. Number two, I think why that some of us have missed out on this is because you had a passion and a dream, but you never acted on it. God gave you a call. He gave you assignment, but you never took the steps of obedience. Let me just say this right here for some of you guys in the room that feel called to rescue a generation, to raise up the next generation. Can I challenge you with this? Hey, why not serve in the children's ministry or youth ministry? Man, why not call, raise up the next generation right here in this house? Why not sign up to be a mentor, a big brother, a big sister right in the community? Don't wait for, until you're on a platform in front of thousands of people and you're Reinhardt Bonnke and that's gonna happen. Man, why not do for one what you wish you could do for all? Why not today step out and say yes to Jesus and be his hands and feet? Start with one. The other thing I think that sometimes why we miss this is we have the wrong motives. For ministry. Our heart, to be honest, we could be all about ministry and reaching others, but if we're really honest, it was about us. It was about building a name for us, starting our ministry, getting our name out there, trying to build our kingdom and not Jesus's kingdom. If everyone that you prayed for in the last two weeks, if God answered all those prayers, how many people would be saved? How many more people would be won into the kingdom? And how many of the broken, the hurting, the lost, would know the Father's love and acceptance. I 
I challenge myself with that, to be honest, guys. If God answered every prayer of mine in the last two weeks, I don't know that I could say that it would be scores and scores of people. I think it might be about me and my family or maybe a couple others. Man, let us be convicted and challenged that if our prayers aren't for others in Christ's kingdom, then maybe our prayers are more about us and our own kingdom. The last thing I think that hinders us is sometimes we feel inadequate. We feel like we can't make a difference. We feel like it's maybe because we've messed up, maybe because we have been selfish, maybe because we've sinned, maybe because we've had broken relationships that God couldn't use us. Maybe at times you have your own issues, your own needs, your own poverty that you're dealing with. But let me just say this, that sometimes your greatest source of need, your greatest pain could also be the greatest source of ministry that God can use you to reach others. In your weakness, he is made strong. Jesus is enough. Christ and Christ alone. It's not your ability to solve, fix, or heal. The best of you. I don't care if you were completely perfect, if you had $500,000 in your bank account, if you read every John Maxwell book and you listen to Pastor Jay's teachings on repeat over and over again. It doesn't matter how much, how much of scripture you've memorized. The best of you cannot heal, save, deliver, transform, rescue someone out of poverty. It's only Jesus Christ but listen, is Christ in you the hope of glory? Is his kingdom inside of you? So what do we do? These last few things, how do we respond? Number one is that we remember the least of these. We remember them. We don't forget about them. We don't neglect it. We don't become numb in our heart. We remember them. Too much to, to say right here, but let, let me read this verse. Hebrews 13 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by doing... So some people have entertained angels without knowing it. I don't understand that scripture verse, but I think it's awesome. How cool is that, that maybe at times we could be entertaining angels, man, by loving people. And it says this, remember those in prison as if you were bound with them and those who are mistreated as if you were suffering with them. And what is the scripture saying? It's saying that don't just look at people with the eyes of sympathy. Don't just feel sorry for people. Man, the world does that. We watch stuff about dogs on TV that makes us feel sorry for them. That's not the kingdom and power of God. The kingdom and power of God is when we look at people with the eyes of compassion or empathy as if we were suffering with them, as if it was us or our child that had to flee their country because they saw heads roll in front of them. What if it was us? What would we do? How would we want people to respond to us? Let us be those people that we remember them as if it was us in that situation. Still to this day, I keep these notes on my desk. I have more of them, but there's three girls in India that were sexually abused, but they were rescued by an incredible ministry and these notes inside there from Subina, Sunina, and Sophia, they say wonderful things about they're gonna pray for me, but all of them at the end, they say, please remember me. What the world needs is for us to remember them as if we were with them and going through what they're going through. We are together in the body of Christ. We must not neglect each other. Number two, what can we do? We can pray for the least of these. Man, when Jesus, when he when he was walking on the earth and, he, and, and it says this, when he looked upon the crowds, he was moved with compassion. He saw the crowds as if they were a sheep without a shepherd. And, he, and he, so he saw them, but he says this to his disciples. He doesn't just say, go and do something. He says, pray, 
pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. What we need to be moved to is pray. We believe that prayer is where the action is. Man, if we would have a burden and a heart to pray that God would do something, but also that he would give us his heart, that famous prayer that Jim Elliott, the missionary, God, break my heart with the things that break yours. I promise you, if you pray those prayers, your life will be different. You cannot live selfishly and just for yourself if you ask for Jesus' heart. You can't just walk by situations and people that are broken and just focus on yourself if you're praying those prayers every day. I promise you. God will give you his heart and he'll open up your eyes to see those opportunities. The next thing we need to do is we need to love the least of these. And by love, I mean action. I mean, not just in our prayer journal or in our heart. I mean that we really love. I don't have time to share stories that I would love to with you guys, but David Livingston, famous missionary, said this, that sympathy is no substitute for action. We must be moved for action. Edmund Burke says that all that is necessary for the triumphal evil is good men to do nothing. Don't do nothing, do something. Even if it's for one, get out and love someone. I love the book by Bob Goff, Love Does. I'm sure many of you guys have read it, but he says this, simply put, Love does, it does something. It, it moves us compassion and empathy. If we, if we really are remembering people as if they, we were suffering like they were suffering, it's gonna compel us to do something, move us to action. Maybe just start with your neighbor. My wife and I, we, we have a burden for Syrian refugees and we've gone, but there's times we wish we could do more and guess what, lo and behold, who moves across the street from us in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we're living there, a Syrian family. Sometimes, the burden that God's put in your heart, it's not in distance lands, it's not this pipe dream that you're gonna start some 501c3 one day and you know, have a website and write books about and do all this. Sometimes it's your neighbor right across the street or next door from you that God's asking you to love. Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. Remember the one, look for the one. I love this one. Jesus commands us the greatest commandment to, to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then he says this, he says, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's more blessed to give than receive. Those who lose their life will find it. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Can I just ask us a question here today? How are we to respond to the least of these? Let me ask you this, how do you wanna be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be at the end of your life? If you, people are gonna talk about your life sentence, would they talk about what you saved or what schools your kids were in or how comfortable you were or how you lived the American dream or what jobs you had or would they talk about how you loved? What's worth it? What do you value most? And finally, what would Christ ask us to do in our response to the least of these? I think he would say that we're to be with the least of these. I have a really short video, if I have permission, 30 seconds, Pastor Jay to share. And um, this video is from a couple in Lebanon that are ministering to Syrian refugees. And I'll have time to tell you all about their story. It's incredible. They've had Islamic extremists hold knives up to their throats. They face so much persecution and opposition, but yet they continue to love. They love so much that they've opened up their house and they encourage their family members to open up their house. They're now running schools for hundreds of refugees in their home. And I want you to watch this video and their challenge to us of the church in the West. What I would say to, to brothers and sisters 
uh, Western, uh, whatever they are in the West, Christians, is the, the same thing I say to, my, to myself. Uh, Jesus one day will ask each one of us, mm-hmm. whether in the West or in the East, we will be alike in front of him. He would say, you saw people moving, uh, losing everything and becoming naked and, and hopeless. What did you do for them? I wish you could have been there as he was saying that to us because we were crying because we saw them walking in front of us and we heard the cost that his family had to pay to be with the least of these to educate them, to feed them, to clothe them, to invite them a part of their homes. And we could have walked away from that trip feeling not just convicted, but we could have felt condemned, like, man, do I really love Jesus? Am I really doing that? And there was some of that we had to fight, but to be honest, we left that trip inspired and challenged and said, this is who we are as the body of Christ. This is a picture of who Jesus intended us to be. Man, that we would love. Let the message that the world hears from the body of Christ, from you and your family, let it be that we will love you. If you're hungry, we'll feed you. If you're thirsty, we'll give you something to drink. If you're naked, we'll clothe you. If you're in prison, we'll visit you. If you're a stranger, we will welcome you. Let that be the message that the world hears from us is that we love you and Jesus loves you and he's with you. Bob Goff says, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with him. One of the most important things we can do in ministry is just be with people, to walk with them, Jesus said this when he gave us his great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded. This is an awesome commandment, and we go to the nations with this. But he says this at the end. He says, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. The most important thing we could do in ministry, yes, is to be with others, but is to be reminded that Jesus is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He walks with us. He desires relationship with us. We don't have to do it alone. We have to have to solve all the problems. As much as I love talking about strategy and reaching the lost and how to empower and not enable, how to be a blessing, not a burden, and strategic church planning movements and, and community development moves. I love talking about that, strategizing it, planning it. But what the world needs is not another missions trip. It doesn't need another program. What the world needs is Jesus. They need his presence. They need Christ in us to walk with them, to be with them, and to love like Jesus would love. So let us, as the body of Christ, let us be his fragrance everywhere that we go. But to smell like Jesus, you gotta be like with him. You gotta be with him, walk with him. So man, I, I just wanna, I wanna challenge you here this morning that I know that this church, you guys are a missional church, that you love others, that you wanna reach the least of these. But if you're here today, if there's anything broken in your relationship with the Father, or with the Lord, it starts right there. We can't give people what we don't have. If the gospel isn't good news to you, it's not gonna be good news to the world. He saved us not because we cleaned up, because we're perfect, not because we're rich or we have things or we have it together. He saved us because he loved us and he wanted to be with us and fellowship with us. And if there's anything broken in your fellowship with the Lord, get it right today. And secondly, I wanna say, if there's anything that's hindered you in your 
relationship with others, your burdens, your passions, what you feel like God's called you to do. Man, I believe that today God's gonna speak and restore and remind things that he's called you to, but people that he's called you to. And so as we come to the table this morning, can I just challenge us in those ways that maybe there's something that is broken in our relationship with our Lord or our relationship with others. And as Pastor Jade leads us in this time at the table, as uh, I talked about one of the things we can do to remember the least of these, I think this is why it's so important when Jesus, when he told us to remember him as we take communion, as we come to the table, as, as he wants us to remember not just what he did on that cross, but he wants us to remember how he responded to others, how he loved, how he served. And so as we come to the table today, let us come with those hearts of asking the Lord, God, what do you want to restore in us and our relationship with you? And what do you want to restore in our relationship with others? In Jesus' name.